Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of industries. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years as a banker to identify the hurdles, getting in the way, and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have two great guests on the show today. Donna Beatty, who is a tax partner with Fraser & Dieter. Donna, welcome. Thank you very much. It's nice to be here. And Robert Stevens is the owner of CFO Navigators. Robert, welcome to ProfitSense. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Donna, I'm going to start with you. So, okay. you know, a lot of um, a lot of tax advice gets thrown out, especially this time of year, uh, whether it's April 15th or September 15th, October 15th. But what is a fairly general piece of tax advice for individuals you can give as we head into the last quarter of 2022? Um, the big thing is just um, to, one, look for contributions because there's so many things that you can't. The IRS has buttoned up the code so that individuals have very little flexibility. The other thing is if you're an owner, there may be some additional write-offs that you have out of pocket that your business didn't allow you to to write off. In the olden days, you could have employee business expenses and write those off, but you can't as an employee, but as an owner, you can. Sure, that makes sense. And uh, a couple of things that uh, I know get discussed in some of my business – owner discussions is different depreciation methods. Um, Are there any thoughts on that in terms of determining uh, the taxable income by using uh, other depreciation methods as well? There are. I mean, the depreciation doesn't generally hit individuals as much as it does businesses, but you can, a lot of people have like beach houses or rental houses and you can do the depreciation there. And the IRS is allowed very accelerated depreciation these days. So there's a lot of things you can write off 100% up to a million dollars. Georgia doesn't take that bonus depreciation. So there's some finagling. There's something called section 179 you can take that Georgia does. So you just have to look at every individual and see what works best for their situation. Yeah, I'm sure uh, uh, generalizations are always true, but never correct, probably. (laughs) Correct. <laughs> Always uh, caveat it. Like, talk to your tax advisor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, good advice there for sure. So, um, uh, you know, even though we're we're uh, going through COVID, uh, obviously employee retention credits uh, are very much uh, front and center uh, for uh, business owners as well. So, uh, kind of a two part question here: Who should apply? Um, and then maybe how you apply. All right. So this is probably one of the most misunderstood things that have come, has come out of COVID. Um, any business owner that has employees and 
managed to maintain having a payroll in 2020 and 2021 could potentially qualify. There are two main qualifiers. One is based just on a loss of revenue. If you revenue decreased 50% in 2020 from the standard 19, you qualify for the employee retention. And then they soften the rules to only a 20% drop in income for 21. If you have the revenue um, test met, then there's nothing more you need to do. But there's also another test that even if your revenues maintain the same, but you had significant um, changes to your business as a result of government orders for shutdown, then you could qualify from that way. Um, it's new, so there's no uh, um, history of what the IRS is allowed or not allowed. I have seen what I think are some pretty aggressive stances on having been um, affected by the COVID rules. Uh it's pretty strong that you have to show that there is a government order that has affected you as opposed to, you know, I had to, you know, spray out my tables in the, the restaurant. You know, if you're still able to keep going and that just was a blip, but not a significant change. So um, just beware on that. I just feel like there's um, there are some companies out there selling it that just want their commission. So they're going to tell you what to do, but if you're taking the employee retention credit, you're the one that has to answer if the IRS comes knocking. Sure. Um, and that's the uh, kind of the... Yeah, but the other thing I just want to add is a lot of people don't understand that is if you receive PPP, the Paycheck Protection Fund or program checks, that does not preclude you from being able to take the employee retention credit. Ah, okay. So a lot of people think that if they got one, they can't have the other. And you can have both. However, you can't use the wages that you submitted for PPP. You can't double dip that for ERC. But I've not seen anybody that hasn't been able to handle both if that's if they qualify for the employee retention credit. Sure, sure. That's very helpful, too. And uh, also, I think there are some consequences uh, if you apply and didn't really qualify. Uh, or, uh, can you speak to those uh, uh, in part? Well, that's what I just talked about. There's not a lot of um, history, but I mean, the IRS will come back and they will make you pay that money back plus penalties and interest. So, sure. and they could go as far as fraud or criminal if they thought you were just, you know, doing it to scam the government. Sure, excellent points. Thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that. We're talking today with Donna Beatty, who's a tax partner with Fraser and Dieter. Uh, as a partner in their tax practice, Donna Beatty brings a wealth of professional tax and accounting knowledge to the firm. Her experience encompasses providing comprehensive tax planning, review, advisory, and compliance services to closely held businesses. And Donna, I want to uh, shift the conversation a little bit to uh, uh, S corporations, to partnerships. Again, kind of similar to my opening question, but can you speak to a, a fairly general piece of advice that you give to owners of S-corporations and partnerships as we head into the last quarter of 2022 as well? Well, I just have one new thing that has come up this year that I don't know if everybody's aware of that I is especially for Georgia residents, but um, I think like 26 states have um, passed this so far, and it's called the Pass-Through Entity Tax. So before... 2021, you know, these flow through entities, S corps and partnerships would, the income shows up on the individual return and they pay the taxes. Taxes on your individual return are limited to $10,000. If you have a successful business and you own a house, you know, you get limited. 
So the states have enacted laws that you can pay the tax at the entity level. So if you owe 50000 of tax for the state, this, you pay it from the entity, and it's then a deduction. So your K-1 is 50000 less. Huh. So it enables you to take advantage and not be limited by the state. So okay. it's uh, an election in Georgia that's made annually. So just make sure you talk to your accountant and that you take advantage of it if it works. It's not perfect for everybody. It's a case-by-case, case, but it's probably one of the most exciting things is a tax accountant that has gone the way of the 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 client. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's an excellent piece of advice. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so I want to, um, talk a little bit, you know, uh, Warren Buffett, I think was quoted as saying that the, uh, language of accounting or the language of business is accounting. Uh, and if business owners speak it, they're really going to have, uh, have some problems. So, uh, in your experience, maybe with that in mind, is there a way to tell, if a small business will likely be successful? Well, I've been working with entrepreneurs, and when I call small businesses with, you know, one to 10 or 15 um, owners, generally the successful ones are the ones that understand profitability, which means you don't have to speak accounting talk. You can have your accountant tell you um, some important matrices, but you need to keep track of them. The people that know that they're making a profit a gross profit. They know how many widgets they have to sell to be successful. They know all of that um, are the ones that are successful. The ones that just say, my accountant will handle that. I'm just going to make the widgets. I'm not going to worry about anything else are the ones that generally don't succeed. So you have to have, even if you're not a numbers person, you got to at least understand some of the numbers, not all of them, but some of them. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So we're talking today with Donna Beatty. Uh, Donna has extensive experience consulting with small businesses on financial software and has worked with clients in in industries that include real estate, construction, manufacturing and distribution, retail professional services. Uh, She also specializes in helping law firms and real estate investment groups with complex tax matters. And so, Donna, as we we kind of uh, conclude our interview, if you could give a new business that has multiple partners or owners, some non-financial piece of advice, what would it be? This, it sounds really crazy, but you need to have your way out before you um, are in, which means, you know, when you're going into business, everybody's excited and everybody's getting along and things are going great. That's when you set up all your organizational documents. You know, at the point in time you realize you're not getting along or things aren't going great, you're obviously adversaries at that point in time, and it's really hard to agree on how to either split up or one person exit. And if you already have that planned, it just makes everything go so much smoother. It's just basic business, but people don't think about it because they're so excited about what they're going to do. Yeah, you know, I can recall a a situation where, well, two situations really, uh, a particular business that I encountered that didn't have a buy-sell agreement. And so when it came for, there was a dispute, uh, there was no legal document that governed how one uh, one owner could buy the other owner out. Uh, and the other situation that comes to mind is uh, they did have the buy-sell agreement, uh, but it wasn't funded with life insurance in the event of death of an owner. And, and of course, unfortunately, one of the owners had passed away. And uh, the other owner was left dealing with a, you know, uh, a widow 
uh, as a as a partner, and of course, it was never intended that way. So, so that is a that is a great piece of advice. Uh, be sure that you have ways to get out before you get in. So, uh, for our listeners, if someone wants to get in touch with you at, at Fraser and Dieter, uh, what's the best way to do that? Uh, phone or email? Go to the website. Um- all of the above works, but the website's probably the easiest way to do it. It's Fraser Dieter with no spaces in between dot com. I'm in the Avalon office, but you can either look for me, but we also just have specialties that if you're looking for somebody with a certain specialty, you can click on that and they'll give you the available people at the firm that can help them. Great. Well, Donna, it has been great. Uh, the advice that you're given speaks to the experience that you have in the industry. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Profit Sense today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. So, Robert, Robert Stevens with CFO Navigators. Uh, Robert, I'm I'm excited uh, that you're on the show as well. Um, I want to really take you back to the very beginning uh, and uh, talk a little bit about the inspiration for you to start CFO Navigators. So, so tell the story. Well, there, there's the inspiration and there's the catalyst. So the inspiration actually came from a, a former CEO. I was the CFO of a technology consulting company, Fast Growth, was hired to bring in, to bring the staff in, to build the capabilities, put all the financials together and have quarterly uh, financial reviews with the board. Did that for about a year. And one day, uh, the CEO and I were at our monthly one-to-one at Starbucks, Johns Creek, and uh, I was giving him the update and telling him kind of what was going on. And he stopped me and he said, Robert, I trust you to do all of that blocking and tackling. He said, I know you got it. I know you're going to do the reconciliations. I know the numbers are going to be good. He said, what I need you to do is help me look out the windshield. I'm driving this business as fast as I can, and I'm scared to death I'm going to drive us off a cliff. He said, I need you to help me anticipate what's out there. Is it a a stop sign? Is it a 90-degree turn? He goes, I know the blocking and tackling is going to be done. I need you to help me look forward. It was a light bulb moment. And that's when I realized I was a controller up to that point, meaning that I did the rear view mirror stuff, closed the books, got everything in line. The CFO, the difference between the controller and the CFO was helping the business anticipate what's coming down the road so you can be proactive in your decisions. That was the inspiration. Fast forward about two years, the catalyst came during the Great Recession. The uh, the technology company I worked for, we had hundreds of clients or hundreds of consultants and a handful of very large financial institution clients. And the recession hit one by one. Those clients called and said, we don't need those guys to come back. So fast forward another few months, you know, had to, you know, downsize the entire company. CEO and I were at lunch together and I I got the, uh, Robert, thanks for all you've done. Couldn't have made it this far without you, but I can't afford you anymore. So that was kind of the catalyst for starting CFO Navigator. It actually freed me up to take that inspiration and then provide the value that I was to one company to multiple clients as a CFO advisor. That's a a great story. And while you were talking about the uh, windshield analogy, um, there was a football analogy that I think might play into that as well that came to mind. And I had this conversation with a client yesterday Uh, The football analogy is the left tackle protects the quarterback's blind side. 
And so uh, you also probably play left tackle for your clients and, and protect their blind side as well as help them drive through the windshield as well. I, I love that analogy. In fact, I did a presentation early on with Peyton Manning and Saturday. Left tackle's name was Saturday when he was with the Colts. Just as I was starting to deliver it, Peyton went to the Broncos. So the whole thing got changed. And I love that. And I love that analogy. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of part-time CFOs out there. What do you feel differentiates you and your firm from your competitors? Well, we talked about the rear view mirror and the windshield, those, you know, kind of those approaches. Uh, There's a lot of good CFOs out there, a lot of good uh, accounting firms that they really focus on the rear view mirror. How did we do? How did we do against our our, our budget? The, I I feel the real value of a CFO is helping companies understand their numbers, not just report what they were, but understand them and use them to help navigate the business. You know, look, looking at trends and patterns and anomalies within the numbers can help the business anticipate. You know, where are we going? What's a, what kind of what is out there as they're driving the business 100 miles an hour down the road? helping them anticipate. So I try to bring my, my communication skills and, and I tell people I'm bilingual. I speak accounting and business. So I can understand the accounting piece, but then I'm able to articulate to the business owners, the ones that are making the decision, who to the conversation earlier aren't accountants. They don't need to be accountants. They just need to be told what that information is so that they can use it to make better decisions. Yeah, a lot of times uh, accounting can be a, a foreign language, and having someone to be able to interpret is is absolutely critical. We're talking this morning with Robert Stevens, the managing partner of CFO Navigator. As a fractional chief financial officer, Robert fills a critical gap for growing privately held businesses and nonprofit organizations that do not have the budget or need for a full-time CFO. And so, Robert, I want to... Uh, for our listening audience, there are some typical challenges that companies face. So I'm wondering if you could share with us what are, in your experience, what are some of the typical challenges companies are facing when they engage with CFO Navigator? The the, the common thread is around growth. They're growing. But uh, if you think of that Allstate commercial with mayhem, there's mayhem happening. They're growing so fast that you typically outgrow their financial capabilities, lose sight of their numbers, and it starts with people. They could outgrow their people. They could realize the people they have aren't strong enough, and they need someone to come in and help them get their people uh, top-graded, if, if you will. Uh, a lot of times, it's around cash. Um, I, I, Bill, I love your, your quote, and I use it frequently, where you say, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, but cash flow is reality. I came up with my own quote around growth, which is growth eats cash like a goat eats grass. <laughs> and if you're going to grow, you I'll... better be able to feed the goat. So helping clients with obtain financing, lines of credit, um, equity investing, whatever it is that they need to, to finance the, the growth that they're experiencing. That's kind of some of the biggest challenges that I initially come in and help with. Uh, I love that. So companies eat cash like a goat eats grass. That That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking today with Robert Stevens, having advised over 75 plus organizations during his 30 plus year career, Robert strives to bring Wall Street worthy financial expertise to local Main Street companies. 
by turning his financial insight uh, into their business foresight. Um, so, Robert, as we kind of bring our, our uh, discussion uh, to a conclusion, um, inflation. Uh, there's a current inflationary environment out there. Uh, interest rates are rising, and there's a lot of talk about a pending recession. Uh, what advice are you giving your clients today around those issues? Yes, as, as soon as the, the two eyes started showing up, the inflationary talk and the rise in interest rates, I started telling clients to focus on two things. The first is their accounts receivable. When going back to the Great Recession, right? When things start to get bad, people slow pay and clients sort of start to slow pay. And that's really the first indicator a business has as to the economy slowing, specifically their business slowing. So I have been telling my clients for the last several months to be the squeaky wheel. Make sure if, if your client receivable, customer receivables go past 30, 45 days, get on the phone and let them know that you're paying attention. You want them to think of you first when when and if the time comes that they have to make a decision of who to pay, you want to be paid first at the top of that list. So be the squeaky wheel is one. And the second is uh, around the companies that have inventory. Over the last two years, supply chain issues have been huge. I've got clients that have been buying up lots of inventory because they just didn't know how, how soon they could get it when, when they needed it. Now, some of that inventory buying might look like hoarding. And I tell clients that inventory is really cash on a shelf that you can't touch. You've taken cash and put it on the shelf and you have to wait for an opportunity to sell it off of the shelf. So the second thing I'm telling clients that, that do have inventory is try to be as prudent as you can. Yes, you, you need to stay ahead. I don't want you to get behind, but don't hoard. Don't buy more than you need. Don't leave that cash on the sidelines because with an inflationary environment and in, and higher interest rates, it's going to cost more to, to, uh, to, to run the business. So have enough inventory, but let's not hoard it. Yeah. And so that's just so critical because your receivables are somebody else's payables uh, and they're going to try to slow down. So obviously uh, increasing your collections raises cash because you're decreasing your receivables. And at the same time, inventory uh, having cash sitting in inventory that's that's not turning can uh, uh, can also uh, have an impact on cash. So that's great advice. What I want to do, if someone wants to get in touch with you, Robert, they're looking for a part-time CFO, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Easiest is probably email. I'm at robert at cfo-navigator.com. Or you can call me directly, 404-642-2688. Either one of those will get me. Robert, it's been great having you on Profit Sense this morning and, and appreciate uh, your wisdom and your expertise. Thank you. So I want to take a minute uh, to talk a little bit about how to transform from employee to owner. You know, the Great Resignation has a lot of employees that are starting their own businesses, also, I'm seeing some management buyouts where employees are becoming owners by buying out their uh, buying out their owners. So whether you're starting your own business, buying an existing one, or being promoted with your current company, there comes a point in time where every business owner is transitioning from employee to owner or CEO. 
And while you've been a successful employee, how do you ensure you become a successful owner as well? In my experience, the major difference between having an owner's mindset and an employee mindset is the vision. Owners don't get stuck on the day-to-day grind, or shouldn't if they are, but look at the long-term vision. Too many business owners are working in the business when they should be working on the business. Here are four things an owner really should get their mindset around, in my view. First is delegation. Uh, Without it, owners often become the bottleneck in their organization's productivity. Uh, Stop working hard on the wrong things and work only on the things that you should be working on. This is key to being effective, uh, doing the right things, and efficient, doing things right. Uh, Third is think of your team as an asset. The collective brain power of an effective team is a game changer for your business. And fourth, and we've talked about this a lot this morning, is the language of business is accounting. And owners not only need to speak it, but they should also be fluent. You can't manage what you don't measure, and the financial statements of your business are the ultimate measuring stick of your performance. Start with these four things, and you'll be well on your way to being a successful CEO. So if you want to keep up with the latest in pro business, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future Profit Sense episodes, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is Profit Sense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.